Man Up, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. And now, it's time to Man Up. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulis. We are broadcasting on the Iowa Catholic Radio Network. And today I'm going to be joined by my good friend Brian Gonzalez. He's uh, the most famous as the development director at Intervisions. We've had him on in the past to discuss that. Uh, and today I'm going to have him on to discuss the Latin Mass and uh, what all the things that come along with it. Why go to the Latin Mass? I have a lot of questions for him. And uh, there'll be no one better to have on than Brian. So let's start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, so, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of uh, speakers, uh, and I'll tell you, it's a, it's a growing thing uh, in the Catholic world today, which is the Latin Mass. If you're on Twitter, uh, you'll see some, some wars sometimes with the Latin Mass versus Novus, Norvis Odo, Norvis Ordo, something like that. I'll get it right one of these times. Uh, you'll see a lot of these spats back and forth. At the same time, I know from conversations of people I love and trust uh, that the, the Latin Mass has a ton of good fruit. In it. It's bearing lots of good fruit. And I, you guys are going to come along with me on this ride today. Uh, of learning, uh, I have I've been to a couple in my life, um, not not recently. Um, so I've got a lot of questions for Brian, and I, again, I think this is a growing movement uh, within the church. I really do. I think there's a lot of uh, of great things that are coming out of it. Uh, and I think most most recently, if you if you saw the Shia LaBeouf uh, interview with Father Barron, Bishop Barron, you you saw that there's fruit right there, right? There's somebody whose life was changed. To come into the Catholic Church because of the Latin Mass, it was a huge part of it. Uh, I think you're you're hearing all sorts of stories about this. So we are blessed here in Des Moines to have a Latin Mass, uh, and Brian Gonzalez is very involved with that. So we're gonna head to a short break, and when we return, we'll have on Brian Gonzalez to discuss the Latin Mass. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarah strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarahns, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory. Caldwell Parish offers services that are unique to the individual while following the Catholic funeral rites. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory, Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, offering insurance products for farm, ranch, machinery, livestock, and more. It's your future. Let's protect it. Cindy's phone number is 515-226-2111 or cindyschulte.com. My Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. Excited to be joined by my good friend, Mr. Brian Gonzalez, known famously as the Director of Development for Intervisions. But you're here today with your uh, involvement with, it's Una Voce, right? Is that how I pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, Una Voce, Des Moines, yeah. And, and that is some sort of Latin Mass uh, fan club? What is it? <laughs> it's the Joe Stopulus fan club. It's, it's, it happens it's to, they happen to speak Latin at this fan club. Yeah, so Una Voce, Des Moines, is, um, it's a national, uh, it's an international organization uh, with a local affiliate here in okay. Des Moines. And so um, uh, 
a couple of us started a couple years ago, about five years ago, as a way to help promote the traditional Latin Mass and, and things that um, are associated with it, so traditional Latin sacraments, um, uh, sacramentals, if you've ever heard of, of uh, the rite of churching of women, things like that. So, um, so yeah, so we're just, we're there to kind of be um, that, that promotional arm of um, the TLM. So you're, you're involved, are you the director or something of it? What's your actual Yeah, I mean, yeah. titles are kind of... Whatever, you're involved with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm involved. Okay, so five years ago, do we even have a Sunday Mass, Latin Mass here in Des Moines? Yeah, okay, so, we, yeah, just uh, maybe a history of here in Des Moines, um, which I was going to start with, like, the history of the TLM in well, general. We'll get there. We'll, we'll talk about we'll that. back yeah. up. So, um, John, this is, this is Brian, this is my show. Yeah, that's fine. I, you, I will tell you where no, we're going to go. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> 2007, uh, Pope Benedict comes out with yep. a document called Sumorum Pontificum, which, which liberalized the ability to celebrate and participate in, and attend the TLM. So Monsignor Chido uh, started that in um, 2007 here in Des Moines. And so for 15 years, it was oh, wow. uh, being celebrated weekly at St. Anthony's. And then just back in, um, in June of this year, so just three months ago, yep. Um, it was uh, the, the whole community moved. Usually, you get priests that get reassigned, yeah. but the whole Latin Mass community <laughs> get reassigned to Saint um, Saint Augustine's here. And Father Pichut is yeah. now our pastor, uh, and most of us became parishioners at Saint Augustine. Okay, so now we can go back. So that gives a little Des Moines history. Let's go yeah. all the way back now to the history of of Latin Mass. So to me, I'll give you my little stupid brain. My my brain says prior to. Uh, Vatican II, everything was a Latin Mass. Is that not what we we're talking about here, or is it something different? Yeah, no, okay. I think I think that's a good that's a good start. Yeah, so I maybe if the the first place to start would be sort of like what is the Latin Mass, right? It, I, I actually think the the use of the word Latin Mass is a bit of a misnomer because you could actually have, and by the way, it's Novus Ordo. Yeah, no, not Novus. Yeah, whatever. I said right. Throw an extra second. R in there. Appreciate that. So the Novus Ordo you can actually have in Latin. Right, that's yeah. the language of the church. You can yep. have that in Latin, um, and you go to the basilica, and, and you've been to places before where they do parts of the mass that are in Latin. Yep. But what we're talking about here is is really a separate, different. You might call a rite. Pope Benedict called it a form um, that that existed from the earliest times. Right. So obviously, like our Lord did not celebrate the Latin mass, at, you know, mm. uh, at the Last Supper. That's not what. But by the time of Saint Gregory the Great, so if you think of Gregorian chant. That's the Gregory that we think of with St. Gregory the Great. So well, well, give me a century. Fifth yeah. century. Fifth century. Right? So, in fact, um, maybe sixth century. So, fifth and sixth century, he's a pope. Um, he actually wrote a um, Dialogues, uh, Dialogues of St. Gregory, if you've heard of that. And the second book of his Dialogues are, is the Life and Miracles of St. Benedict. We're actually reading that at, at table at our house right now. It's, just, um, it's, it's the life of St. Benedict, right? And so, it's, 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 uh, he wrote that at a time where there was... Um, they needed a little bit of energy, uh, and so he wrote a story about a holy man named St. Benedict, uh, lived in central Italy. So he really kind of uh, made a, a first stab of kind of codifying um, masses that were being celebrated here, there, and everywhere. And so that would be kind of where I would say I would sort of start there, um, fifth century. Uh, the dominant liturgical expression of the Western Church was the traditional Latin Mass, and and we get that more or less up until the Second Second Vatican Council in the nineteen. So the sixties is when the Council took place. The liturgical reform, which was separate from the Council, um, took place in the late sixties, early seventies. Now you might say, well, was the, what was the was the Mass that Saint Gregory would have celebrated, or if you want to say call it canonized, was that the same as what happened in? you know, 1940, 
pretty close, right? So I think that's what's interesting about that is that, yes, you have accretions, so things that are added to it, things that might have been suppressed, but very minor changes. I mean, the calendar is a simple example of that, right? I mean, um, as you have new saints that are being canonized, you'd have to add them into the liturgical um, books and things like that. So, yes, the Mass changed, um, but but not not much. It was pretty similar to what it would look like in the 5th and 6th century. I mean, so I'm assuming you have Liturgy of the Word, Liturgy of the Eucharist. It's still main tenets of Mass remain the same, correct? I mean, yeah. in some capacity, no? Yeah, so maybe just a quick caveat. I'm not a liturgist. I don't have a PhD in uh, in church history and things like that. Um, having somebody who, who could sort of look at the Mass, um, and I wish I brought my missile with me or something like that. Yes, there are those. You still have the Word and you still have the Liturgy of the Eucharist. I think they divide it up differently, and the old the old the old mass does just just slightly differently. Okay. But your main your main parts are still there. Yes, the consecration is still there. Things like that. That's an important piece to have. But I'm glad that that didn't. Some might call it essential. Yeah, yeah so. some people might, might call that an important part of the mass. Okay, yeah. so the this idea of the Latin mass uh, and it coming why why did it go away between 1960 whatever and nine, in 2007? What ha, what happened in that time? Yeah, so there's that's. Um, you had mentioned something about liturgical wars in the first segment. And so, you know, just being mindful of the fact that folks that attend the traditional Latin Mass are, are faithful sons and daughters of the church and the local ordinary and things like that. And so, you know, when, when you start comparing, um, you just have to be careful about even how I present it and ver- and also how li- your listeners are going to hear it, right? I'm not—there's there's no intention to sort of denigrate the Novus Ordo at all. Um, in fact, I frequent the Novus Ordo just because my kids go to a school and we have— yeah. um, uh, Novus Ordo Mass there regularly. So, um, and and so you know what happened around the Second Vatican Council that that's a kind of a really big question. Um, essentially, it was replaced. Okay, and so um, the the new Mass replaced the old Mass. Hence, it's a new Mass, right? Yeah. But what happened to the old Mass? Did it go away, or did it just cease being celebrated? Um, as far as I understand it, um, and I think there's probably a fair amount of uh, diverse opinion on this. Uh, the old mass was never abrogated or suppressed. So those are sort of canonical terms that say it's done away with and you are not permitted to celebrate it anymore um, on the one hand. And there, on the other hand, um, it probably appeared that way because everyone was celebrating the new mass. And were there so not people through. in this like, that were like, hey, no, I'm stick- like, sorry, Pope. Uh, sorry, Magisterium. I'm going to stick with what I've been doing. I like this old mass. There are. But but what do you do if you're a lay person? Right. So if there aren't priests to celebrate the old mass, there, 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 were, there were no priests that were like, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. Yeah. So so that I makes it bunch difficult them, right? if there aren't many. And if you're in France and you're yeah. wanting to go uh, and, and the only people that are celebrating the old mass are in Germany, how do you make that work? Right. So, um, so practically speaking, um, there are different organizations that, that, that started, um, and, and somehow the mass was kind of kept alive throughout those, um, seventies and eighties. Um, by the late nineties, you have an organization called the FSSP, the priestly fraternity of St. Peter, their, um, seminary, their U S seminary is in Denton, Nebraska. It's a suburb of Lincoln. Um, they celebrate the traditional mass and the traditional rites and the traditional breviary and all of that. And so, um, uh, it crept into churches, I think, uh, with Pope Benedict. I mean, I think he really saw this as a way to sort of bring liturgical unity. And so um, that's why in 2007 he had that. And so then I think you'd say, and in your, in your first segment, you mentioned things about growth. 
um, we've had an enormous amount of growth in the past 15 years. Uh, we weren't around, uh, that is, my family wasn't around here in Des Moines in 2007, but you know, 30 or 40 people in the basement, in the, in the crypt, yeah. as they call yeah. it, at St. Anthony's. And, I mean, we, we just had 300 people at Mass on Sunday. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible growth. And um, uh, even in the past year, there's been a, a significant amount of growth. And so we're grateful, obviously, to, to, to um, um, Bishop Johnson for allowing us to have the traditional Latin Mass here, um, especially in, in light of some of the recent events. Yeah. So, you, I mean, we got a lot of history. I mean, the, one of the cool things I see about it, again, as a guy who goes to uh, a, a really well-done Mass today, I, have to think, I think liturgy is important. I do think it's very cool that you guys can say, like, it's the same mass that St. Augustine had and Joan of Arc had and all these people over the centuries. Um, that's a neat, that's a neat, right? And yeah. I think there's a lot of selling points. I'm curious, you know, that we've talked about the history. As we go into the Latin mass, this is a year I told you, you have an opportunity to sell, to grow from 300 to 500 right now. What are your sell points? What, talk to me about what to experience and why why you are so passionate about the, the Latin mass. Yeah, maybe just to, as a as a first point, <laughs> the... Uh, I mean, most saints, I mean, 99% of the saints in the church would have gone to the traditional Latin Mass, or at least in the Western Rite, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, not many folks were born after 1970. Mm-hmm. I think if St. Padre Pio was recently canonized, right, yep. like 20 years ago, he never celebrated Novus Ordo. Yeah. I mean, he died in 68 before the liturgical reforms took place. So, um, and that kind of... And even even the... the- St. John Paul the Greats and the Mother Teresa's were formed yeah. initially, right? Yeah, in, absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, JP2 would have had, obviously, like, um, probably all of his sacraments, including yeah. holy orders, yeah. maybe his episcopal. I'm not sure when he was ordained to the episcopacy, but, um, yeah, so so a lot of a lot of the, the, the church's history is, is of people being formed and nourished by the traditional Latin Mass. And, and, and maybe I'll just put a plug in, um, because it's not just the Mass, it's the sacraments, too. And so um, I think you've been to some of our kids have been baptized, uh, for instance, yeah, the I've, traditional I've, Mass. Yeah, yep. Not the traditional Mass, but the traditional baptism. It's a different rite. Yeah. I mean, it's a completely different rite out of a different book. You get all these exorcisms of your of your five senses and, and things like that, and there's a procession from the back of the church where you start as a as a— as a pagan, right? I mean, you're born in, with original sin. You're you're not worthy, in a sense, to be in 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 church. And then you kind of process down. You're reciting the creed, and so that's your statement of belief. And then you get up to the front of the church, and you uh, and you're baptized. And and so anyway, the, the traditional sacraments are beautiful. The the breviary itself is beautiful. The the calendar. Um, these are all things that it's it's not just the traditional Latin mass, but it's really kind of the traditional way of of living. Um, and um, it, it's and it's challenging because we live in a Nova sort of world. Yeah, so I mean, I've got so many questions. Like, I don't even know where to go. But I mean, so the calendar, great example. Last week, we had to rearrange an, a, a, an event that we're supposed to be in the same thing for. And it got moved because of some exaltation of the cross and the Which second. Which is also in the Novus Ordo. Yeah, but so like that, you guys, we didn't have special mass that night because right, of it, whereas right. you guys did. Like yeah. there's obviously feast days and um, – Things that, you, that are different with your calendar, and also like the saint days that you guys are celebrating are different than yeah. So why why would they be changed? So why did that the calendar get changed? Yeah. So one principle I would say that the the council fathers used in rearranging the calendar was uh, to remove things out of Lent. So you see mm. the feast of Saint um, Thomas Aquinas in the old calendar is um, 
I'm going to have to try to remember these dates now. So March 7th, I believe, is he's in the old calendar. And in the new calendar, he gets moved to January 28th. Okay. St. Benedict is similar. He's March 21st in the old calendar. He gets moved to okay. July 11th. So there was this, there was this effort to, tr- to sort of clear out Lent so we could really focus penitentially on okay. Lent. Um, and I think you can, you can keep them in Lent and just do certain things. You can still fast on a day that you're feasting liturgically, but you're not eating meat or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so okay. there are ways to work around it. Um, and, and I'm sure there are other reasons that people might give as to why it was important to move feasts yeah. and things like that. But you're right. It does, it does create a little bit of a challenge when you're sort of, you know, dealing with traditional Catholics and, and Novus Ordo Catholics. Yeah, no. Um, there's also, it, it says here, you talked about, I know Ember Days is a big deal to you yep. guys. And yep. I, I've tried to get involved with that a little bit here yeah. and there. I mean, there are lots of different things I think is unique. And I've talked often about... Um, embracing the church calendar as a way to like differentiate yourself from the world and really dive deeper into the faith. Yeah, and it feels like you guys kind of just take that to a, maybe even another level. Uh, yeah. of embracing the church. Calendar. I mean, these things these things went away with. I mean, it, 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 it's um, some of us should be upset about like where did Ember Days go? How did I not know about this until mm-hmm. you're you're not quite forty yet? So, but I mean, um, and, and I'll say like I've not been good about Ember Days in in my life. It's it's hard to do. Um, and last week was was our first my sort of semi-successful Ember Day. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about Ember Day. No, we have way too much to cover. Way too much. Here's this. Uno Voce Des Moines, U-N-A-V-O-C-E-D-S-M.org. We've got lots of articles and educational things just sort of talking about some of these things. So if you went to the UnoVoceDSM.org and you could visit the website and do a search for Ember Days and they'll give you some history on that and all that. All right, so let's move on to the actual Mass itself. I, if I show up, it's 4 p.m., right, at, on St. Augustine's on Sundays night, That's right? right, 4 p.m. We just moved it up so that um, we can eat dinner at a yeah, civilized a, yeah, time. Yeah, probably so. good. Yeah. Uh, what am I going to experience? Yeah, I, for, for first-timers, um, which, by the way, we have an article on our website, unvocedsm.org, <laughs> go to there and, 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 and do an eight-week challenge is really what I'd recommend folks who really want to give this the old college try. If you go once, it's it's so different. It's mm-hmm. so jarring to your sensibilities. Um, you feel like it's like a completely different liturgical tradition, and so we would encourage folks to to go first off and just don't pick up a book. Don't worry about following along to every single word. It's mostly in Latin anyway, so you, you're probably not going to understand it unless you're a Latin scholar. It's not completely in Latin. There's English, and, and uh, the homily is given in English, and the readings are given in English. So, um, But don't, don't feel like you need to um, – we're, we're, in, in this way, we're kind of Germanic sometimes. We're like trying to follow. What page are we on? And you, you'll just get swept away, and in a, you'll, you'll get um, lost. Instead, pretend that you're at the ocean and let the waves of the Gregorian chant and the waves of the Latin just, just, um, just come, roll over you and, and – um, and just watch and participate, right? But participate inwardly. I think that's one of the things that we, we lost a little bit. We feel like in order for us to participate, we have to be saying and doing something. Mm. Um, you are doing something when you're inwardly participating with what's going on. When you're unifying yourself with the liturgical action that the priest is doing, um, you are participating. So, so we, have to, we have to not think of ourselves only as participating when we're doing and saying things. But out, but also when we're inwardly doing and saying things. Okay. Other other changes. I mean, how's your guitar music? I mean, how's yeah? That's, um, a, that's a good joke. Just, I would say even <laughs> yeah. I would say even even amongst us traditionalists, we have different sort of philosophies on on the use of the organ with chant, without chant, things like that. Grand chant is is obviously a staple um, of what we do. 
Um, you have the the introit. I think you call it the resp- the processional. Um, you have. You think you call? You think it's some sort of alien thing? No. I don't, you people. That well, do- it, and it's true too. Like um, y- y- even in the Novus Ordo, like there is an introit, or yeah. there's um, that's separate from yeah. the processional, that's what but we do. they oftentimes get mm-hmm. sort of joined. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, you have things that are the same every time and things that are different. Maybe that's a different way of saying it. In, in the same way that the Novus Ordo, you have different readings, um, you have different uh, prayers, um, and so you have commons that are all the same, the mm-hmm. Kyrie Sanctus, uh, Gloria Sanctus, and Agnus Dei. Um, and those things are pretty much, they have yep. different uh, t- tones or tunes. And so if you go often enough, you might pick up on them. You'll also understand, you'll understand what's going on. Yeah, uh, th- There are places you'll absolutely understand what's going on. I think for me, the biggest difference was the Eucharistic prayers is starkly different, if I remember correctly. It's like it's very less call and response. It's more Father offering this on behalf of the people rather than the people like like trying to help Father along kind of thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a totally that was to me the most like, oh, this is different. So the preface is still the same with the call and response, the Lord be with you and yep, with your spirit, yep. right, all that. Um, the the Eucharistic canon, so, so I would say the traditional Latin Mass doesn't have options, and yep. so... You know, if you think of the Novus Ordo, you have four Eucharistic yeah. prayers that are most commonly used. Although I think there are other options as well that you can use. Mm-hmm. There is no option. There is one, and it's called the Canon, and um, that that's long. But that also is in the Novus Ordo. So it's, there are some priests who who like to 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 pray that, um, and they're welcome to do that. Obviously. So, yeah. all right, here's what we're gonna do because I have still have more questions for you. I thought we'd go two episodes, but I'm at least going to keep you around for the next part of the last segment because I got, I got more questions. So stick around. We're headed to a short break, and we'll be right back. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsara.org, join S-E-R-R-A.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. At Intervisions Healthcare, we see patients with unplanned pregnancies from ages 12 to 43. An unplanned pregnancy is traumatic at any age. For that reason, we specialize in educating, encouraging, and empowering vulnerable and at-risk mothers facing an unexpected pregnancy with the medical information and services necessary for them to make an informed decision. For more information on the free medical services at Intervisions Healthcare or to support our mission or become a volunteer, visit IVHcare.org. My help comes from you. You're right Welcome back to Man Up and Iowa Catholic Radio. I am still joined by Mr. Brian Gonzalez discussing the traditional Latin Mass. Have a few more questions. First up, in the state of Iowa, are there other Latin Masses in Iowa that you know of? Yeah, so I would say maybe a year ago when, when Pope Francis came out with his motu proprio, um, uh, having bishops reassess the situation of Latin Mass in their diocese, there was probably a consolidation of places. And okay. so I think St. Patrick's in Iowa City, yeah. um, St. Wenceslaus in... Um, That's Iowa City. There's another St. Wenceslaus up in Cedar Rapids. There are multiple. Wow. I know. Yeah, here we go. It's, it's like... And there are three it's like minutes from each other. Czech population yeah, of the yeah, world yeah, yeah, there, yeah. right? And then I don't know where Sioux City is, and then and then um, okay. St. Augustine okay. in... I know, I know Kansas City's got some. Yeah. I know uh, Omaha's other, obviously, uh, going around. Okay, so... I, I got into a, a discussion with uh, friends of mine on my birthday. This is how I celebrated my 37th birthday. I was around a fire, drinking at like 11 o'clock at night, having a discussion on all of this. Of course, Leonetti's there, like, poking all the bears and trying to get people. Leonetti at, poking the bears? Yeah, no. That, not a chance. And 
and Bo and Bo Bonner and Bud Marr. It was basically it. all the Catholic radio hosts around a fire discussing this stuff. And you know, my what I came back to is I I really don't care where someone goes to mass as long as they are being filled and they're becoming a better person. Yeah. And they're leaving there filled with, with the love of God to give to the love of neighbor, right? So then I can take what I've gotten. Again, it's it's not – I'm going to Mass so that I can give God my best. And hopefully in doing that, I am being changed in a way that I, I'm a better Christian, right? That's kind of how I view Mass. Like, So the reason we go to the Basilica now is because I believe that I, I'm getting – it's the it's the highest form of of praise and reverence I can give to to give to God, which mm-hmm. uh, in some way makes me a better person. Like, I feel like I'm just like yeah drawn to it. Okay, so make your case then. Like, why do you? Why does why does why would someone go to the, the Latin Mass in as compared to I don't know? The sure. Or else? So there's a great ancient maxim that's uh, lex orandi, lex uh, lex orandi, lex credendi, lex orandi, lex credendi. Credendi. I knew Have that. Have you heard of this? No, of yeah. course not. I mean, okay. lex orandi, lex credendi, <laughs> lex vivendi. That the law of belief, the law of prayer, starts with the law of prayer, is the law of belief, and it's the law of the living. So you, what you do at Mass influences how you believe, what you believe, and, and then how you live. Yeah, and so I think that what we do at the Latin Mass with, with the orientation of the priest facing the tabernacle and uh, the, the orations and the, the prayers and the Gregorian chant, and now all of the praying that we do mm-hmm. has a specific if you want to call it theological belief mm-hmm. that that influences then how we live and yeah. and um and the moral life is really how we're um how we're going to d- show people that we are catholic and how we're going to hopefully make it to heaven one day you know i uh when i went down to the clear creek abbey this year mm-hmm. it, it was you walk in like this is unlike it was kind of like again back to the the shayla buff thing it was so unlike anything i've ever been a part of that it was like almost jarring like oh my gosh this is so different yeah and i imagine there's some level of that as well like again if you compare your just like normal kind of catholic parish to a normal methodist parish like there's a lot of overlap whereas i'm a, when i walked into that clear creek abbey there's no overlap between right. what's going on at lutheran church of hope and what's going on at the clear yeah you're abbey. stepping out of the profane into the sacred yeah, exactly. and that's one argument yeah. for i've used latin as a language but it's not this yeah normal language that we use every day yeah yeah and again i think it does it, it, it clearly puts you in a different place when those yeah. when those monks were, were chanting back and forth in latin even just that was enough to say this is different than even when i've heard it chanted back and forth in english which i have mm-hmm. it was at a, it was a different level okay there's i've made my pitch okay i'm gonna go I'll, there's okay I'll, I'll come back on or we'll have you back on I will attend a Latin Mass between... Awesome. Whenever we do it, we'll come back. We'll do round two. We'll be Joe goes to Latin Mass in Des Moines. <laughs> uh, hopefully, Father Aquinas isn't listening. And then we will uh, we'll have you back, and we can talk more about my experience and what I got out of it. And, and hopefully, you guys continue to, to attract more and more people to the Latin awesome. Mass. So. Thanks for having me on. All right, you bet. Thanks for joining me today on Man Up on IO Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulis. It's time to man up. Man Up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness. 